0: I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR, or HR director, Or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level and the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you or you can learn more by going to my website Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website, and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to this episode of HR Coffee Time. It's wonderful to have you here. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, a career coach and the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching, where our mission is to help HR and people professionals have successful and fulfilling careers without working themselves into the ground. This week's episode is the second part of a two-part series about changing career to work in HR. The episodes are a little different to normal because usually the topics for the podcast are aimed at people who already work in HR but I've been contacted by so many people for advice over the past couple of years, asking how they can change career to work in HR, that I really thought it was about time I created these episodes to help. So if you're a regular listener to the show and already have an established HR career, I still hope that you'll enjoy hearing the career stories that are coming up. If you're new to the show and listening to these two episodes because you'd like to change career to work in HR, I really hope that their episodes are going to help you. Seven HR Coffee Time listeners kindly responded to an email from me to say that they'd be happy to share their career change stories. Last week, you met three of them. This week, you're about to meet four more. Charlotte Treverton-Jones, Daniel Morchinski, Natalie Saunders and Rachel White. They all come from different career backgrounds and they talk us through how they made the jump to work in HR, what they enjoy most about their HR careers, and also they touch on the challenges that their HR careers have brought. The first person you're about to meet is Charlotte Treverton-Jones. Charlotte is an HR business partner and she works for a global manufacturing company which has approximately
1: 300 employees. Here's her story of how she changed career to work in HR? So I spent 15 years as an executive assistant before moving into what I'd call a pure HR role. I did the thing of leaving school, going to university, doing what was expected and realising actually this is not what I wanted to do at all and really enjoyed organising and diary management. So moved into that type of career absolutely loved it and spent that time working across a few different industries in wealth management, local government, education and then the most recent and probably the most exciting one was working in professional rugby that was a very much a whirlwind so that was what I did before I moved into that pure HR role.
0: Well, I bet you've got some great stories from your time of working in professional rugby, but I won't ask you for them all now, don't worry. (laughs) So having had your EA career and then deciding to move into an HR role, how did you make the change?
1: So the final two roles I'd had as an exec assistant in education and in rugby had been pretty hybrid, that had been that mix of EA and some HR as well. And I really enjoyed the HR aspects and I was spending more and more time doing them. And so I approached my employer, the rugby club at the time and said, getting lots of experience, but I'm not matching that with any qualifications. Would you be prepared to support me? Put a bit of a document together for them, gave a presentation and uh, yet they approved it. So I started my level five, did that in a fast track way and got that completed and then look to move into a HR role.
0: It's really interesting to hear how many people are mentioning the fact that they study for the qualification. I love the fact that you put a whole presentation together for your company to try and convince them to fund that training. What a wonderful thing to have done. And when it comes to actually then making the leap, so you had managed to secure some HR experience in your EA role, you had got a CIPD qualification, How did you then actually go about finding the role that you're in now?
1: I'd concluded the qualification and unfortunately at that point my role at the rugby club had come to an end and a new group of people had come in and very often in sport they like to move everybody else out and so I really spent time on Indeed and on LinkedIn looking at how roles were described looking at job descriptions and it became quite clear to me that although I'd been operating at an advisory level in my previous two roles the likelihood of me moving into to a HR environment at that level, I probably wasn't going to be successful in doing that because just the way in which the job descriptions were, were worded, I thought, mm, I'm, I'm not certain. Perhaps that was me holding myself back, I'm not sure, but when I got my role at the company where I am now, I actually started out as a HR administrator, so I went in at, at a more administrative junior level but found that simply through hard work and showing I was capable, within six months I'd become a HR advisor. That's great
0: to hear. Well, congratulations on such a fast promotion. And now that you've made the change and you're in your HR role, it would be great to hear what you like most about working in HR.
1: Oh, what do I like most? There's just lots of things that I like. I think, uh, can I have two? Absolutely. I'd say the variety. I tend to plan my days. I use Outlook really effectively. But I love the fact that some days I'll come in and that plan will work. Other days I'll come in and that plan, yeah, I won't see that plan for two months because something else will have happened and other priorities will have changed. And I love that. I love how unpredictable HR can be. The second thing I would say that I love about HR is people. I don't think you can be in HR and enjoy it if you don't like people. They are, well, we are fascinating and frustrating and amazing. And I'm just really curious about how people respond in different situations and what motivates them. I think that's a really, really interesting part of the role.
0: What are the challenges that you hadn't anticipated?
1: I think the biggest challenge I hadn't anticipated is how emotionally draining it can be. And I think you have to be really aware of when that emotional tank and that resilience is is becoming drained. You need to know when to take a holiday. In our team that I work in, I work with a team of another two colleagues who are fantastic, and we will say to one another, you have compassion fatigue, you need to take a break. So it's being aware of what can top up that emotional tank and making sure it happens for yourself as well.
0: Oh, it's so important. And I find it's very easy to put yourself to the bottom of the list when you're working in HR because you're so busy looking after everyone else. So it's fabulous to hear that you're in such a supportive team and you all look out for each other like that.
1: Definitely. I mean, I consider myself really fortunate, the team that I'm part of, but you're right there, Faye, I think. If you allow yourself to become drained and you keep putting yourself to the bottom of that pile, you'll either burn out, well, you will burn out ultimately, but also I don't think you'll actually be able to do your job very well and you won't enjoy it.
0: And for my final question for you, Charlotte, it would be great to hear what advice you would give to anyone listening today who is thinking of changing career to work in HR.
1: I think there's a few things I'd say really make sure you understand why you want to move into HR. At the company I work for, we have, uh, we make the offer to employees to come and spend time in other departments to see if you want to move around. And we had a colleague come because she thought HR was being sympathetic and drinking lots of tea. I'd like to drink a lot more tea than I do, but I very often don't have the chance to. So really understand what you want to move into hr and what hr is about i believe hr is about achieving the business goals through its people and providing good work that's what matters that's what really you know enthuses me and makes me come to work each day the second thing i would say is do your research get your qualificate your cipd qualifications But stay up to date, stay current, keep up to date with employment law, attend podcasts, listen to your podcast, Faye, because that's helpful. (laughs) But listen to a a range of different sources, read people management and and stay current and stay curious, because that's how you, I think, how you really perform well in HR.
0: Now, let's move on to meet Daniel Machinsky. He's going to start off by explaining what kind of HR role he has.
2: I'm here. As an employee engagement advisor for NWH Group based in Dalkeith in Scotland, my role is a bit different from a traditional HR role. It's involving every day really. Sometimes I'm based in headquarters, and some other days I'm based in different sites across Scotland and North England, meeting and greeting employees, supporting the Monday journey. It's not just a 9 to 5 job. It's not only give advice regarding employee relations, but I'm also a partner for people at all levels. A big part of my job is to create the link between employees and business needs. So what I do, I'm partnering with the key leaders of the business and leading on strategy level, looking into employee value proposition and talent management. But at the same time, maintaining a connection with all employees on the floor is very important to me. So there's no problem if uh, there is an employee who want to see me in Newcastle or Danfrees at five o'clock in the morning, you know, Daniel will be there. So it's a very hands-on role.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit, well, a lot about what it is that you're doing. And the reason that you're here today to talk to us is about your career change, because you had a different career before you started working in HR would you be happy to tell us what it was that you were doing before your HR career?
2: Okay, so again, me working in retail and working hospitality before, I've done a very leadership roles. And again, all the leadership role was really, I was always passionate while I was doing these roles about people. And, you know, and people was always, you know, the heart of any business, you know, the whole people operations. So while I was doing this, lots of leadership rules i you know as i said earlier i've started studying in university then i went to do my capd level seven And with this, I will start looking outside Tesco because I wanted to work in a different industry. So Lincoln was absolutely a great start for me to looking for a different job search, but also being extremely active on Lincoln helped me as well because lots of potential employers contacted me and asked if I would like to join them. And, you know, that's really how I ended up in NWH. They like what I was doing before and they see potential in me to doing something bigger in this industry. So that did help me.
0: That's so interesting to hear. I'm sure that for lots of people listening, it's going to be a great tip for them because I know for anyone who's not actively on LinkedIn, they don't always necessarily realise just how incredibly powerful it can be. So in your LinkedIn profile, did you actually write that you were looking to move into an HR role?
2: Well, to be fair, I didn't, because, again, you know, my previous role in the leadership, they, they were part of the HR, because the jobs were more combined um, overall. So I didn't, to be fair. I was extremely active in terms of um, connecting with people, networking. And, you know, to be fair, this is how you and I, we kind of met as well, and virtual world. And I think this is the future. So I was never, ever into chasing for a job, if that makes sense. I was more into you know looking you know how can I add value in a different industry because I don't want a job just to take the box I want a job that's going to make a difference and definitely the job I'm in right now I do feel like I'm making a difference.
0: It is so good to hear that you really managed to get LinkedIn working for you by doing all of that active networking I know it's something that can feel a bit daunting to people what kind of networking were you doing so who were you trying to connect with and how were you adding value?
2: So pretty much what I've done and this is how I started my Lincoln journey I've, I've searched for this jobs where I seen myself in the future like HRbP or you know any jobs with engagement that's something that's abroad from my leadership experience I was very good at it. and I could see how can I transfer them into a typical HR rule so I, I did have a bit of a random people and I've emailed them I said look would you mind if we networking if we grab a coffee virtually and as much as that sound a wee bit cheesy that's work because people are there they want to help you they want to seeing you know grow and there's again a lot of things i can help other people so i'm sure you all have heard about mentoring and also the first mentoring when i'm helping other people seeing things from my eyes and that was also very beneficial for both parties you know so so i i cannot you know stress enough how important is this is this and the new age networking that definitely
0: Ah, I feel like I should have met you a couple of years ago, Daniel, when I created my LinkedIn course. (laughs) I think if I had you on video above it talking about it, it would help people really realise just how valuable LinkedIn is. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and for anyone who's interested I can put a link to the LinkedIn course in the show notes as well. I hadn't known that about how active you'd been on LinkedIn even though we'd had a chat before we recorded the podcast together today so it's fascinating to hear that and so for anyone listening who's thinking oh Daniel's so inspiring that's it I'm going to start really using LinkedIn and looking into doing an HR qualification I'm sure they'd also love to hear what the reality is now that you're in your HR role. So what are some of the things that you like the most about working in HR and what are the challenges
2: that you hadn't anticipated? Okay, so the things I like the most, well, I like being a heart of the business, that's for sure, being part of the whole employee life cycle. From the moment the employee coming into journey with us, the moment they leave is very important. Being involved in all the strategy and planning and me HR having a space at the table I think that's very very important so I did mention earlier this is no typical nine to five office rule as used to be you know the HR evolve become a more partnering and and I I believe this is a great opportunity where I am right now to evolve with this HR is no anymore this corner office everyone is scared of you know HR is part of the business and definitely you know can add value and I I love this fact about it
0: Brilliant. So they're all the things that you really like about working in HR. What are some of the challenges that maybe you hadn't expected to be facing?
2: Well, when changing to a different industry, it takes time to understand it. And I think that's very, very important. I guess while you are working for the one industry, like I worked for retail for 15 years, a lot of the time you can take this for granted, the knowledge and skills that you have, that you build over the time, you know, you you don't even think of them. You have them with you. But if you starting a new journey in a new industry, so with NWH, this is a different industry than retail. Again, it's very important to give yourself a time to understand the business, understand document and make sure you, you know, your boss give you this time to digest these different challenges and different opportunity. So this, you know, that's the one thing I would always, you know, advise people to just when you're starting work in HR and in a new industry, new job, make sure you give yourself time to make sure you understand everything.
0: Well, that brings me to my final question for today, Daniel, which is what advice would you give to anyone listening who is thinking of changing career to work in HR?
2: Well, go for it. As simple as this, go for it, right? And however, remember to invest in yourself, thinking of education, courses, workshops, listening, podcasts, you know, everyone got the same amount of time on their hands. So just thinking wisely how you're going to use this time to benefit you in the future, right? Do not underestimate what else you can bring to the table to the HR desk because you've got lots of live experience from your previous jobs, previous skills, which are, which are easily transferable. So leadership skills from other industry can give you a good foundation. Yeah. Yet, I think it's important to have a good level of understanding of all the function, understand the business acumen. I cannot stress how important this is so i have found that when giving advice or supporting others is nothing more beneficial when using your life examples saying when i was a manager i've done this and i've done that again if you've always been in hr office sometimes you never actually experience being part of the disciplinary meeting you only knew the process from the checklist i mean this experience when it's silent in the room you know you have to ask the questions you know this experience is you know you, you cannot learn this you just have to experience this then you can coach others I think that's great.
0: Next it's time to hear from Natalie Saunders who moved from being an employment lawyer into a series of senior level HR roles before recently setting up her own HR consultancy firm Morpho Advisory.
3: The first HR role that I did was for a building society and I joined their senior people leadership team in a job that I didn't really understand in a sector I'd never worked in before, but it just sounded really interesting. So the job title was Head of People Risk. And I thought, wow, well, goodness, I have no idea what, what is involved in, in that. But when I read the job description, it spoke to a lot of my past experience. And I thought I had transferable skills that would work. And so it came to pass. I'd, I managed to secure myself that opportunity. And it was it was brilliant. One of the things I loved about it was the purpose-led nature of building societies. So building societies are owned by their customers, by their members. So the purpose of the building society is not to go out and make loads of money and then pay it back to shareholders by way of dividends. It's how to enable people to get a foot on the housing ladder and how to deliver value to members through savings rates, for example. And that, for me, really worked because purpose matters a lot to me in my work so so that was a role I really enjoyed and then subsequent to that I went on to do an HR director role in higher education and again I'd, I'm i a Leeds girl born and bred the institution I worked for is in Leeds and it's one I felt a huge affinity for in fact I, I learned to swim in the swimming pool that that particular university has and I felt a really strong connection to it and sense of place. And I loved the work that we did. We had a a big student body. So at the time it was around 24,000 students. And it was the idea of being able to support young people to follow their dreams and aspirations and make make that come alive. Your passion
0: and enjoyment for those roles are absolutely shining through as you're talking, which I can imagine is going to leave everyone listening wondering, well, what did Natalie do before her HR career then? So would you like to tell us what you did
3: before and then how you made the change to working in HR? I started out as a lawyer and And I think there's a little bit of you can take the girl out of the law, but not the law out of the girl, because I think that uh, that is a background and set of skills and experience that have continued to serve me really well subsequent to my move into HR.
0: Okay, so lawyer to HR professional, the fact that you were an employment lawyer shows that you have got lots of
3: transferable skills.
0: But still, what was it that made you decide to make the
3: move? and how did you make it? I'd got to a point in my legal career where I'd probably broadly done most of the sorts of things I was ever likely to do, so there were some areas of employment law that I didn't have loads of experience of and probably wasn't ever going to. Equal pay, for example, that tends to be exceptionally specialist. People can make an entire career out of being an expert in, an, in equal pay, so uh, that aside, I'd got to a point where it felt a bit routine, so I'd 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 moved around a bit to experience different environments. So I'd gone from a very large, uh, what's described as a magic circle law firm in London, to smaller firms up here in Leeds, and then ultimately I'd. I'd founded my own employment law business, so I did that in the height of the last recession when my son was six months. Thinking, oh, I'll set up a lifestyle business; it'll be fine, and I'll I'll be able to manage the childcare around around this legal business. And it was me, a laptop in my dining room in the early days, and it it took off in ways I just didn't really expect. I I was I was really lucky. And I you know with before long I employed six people, we had premises, the firm built a really strong reputation for not just technical expertise, which is of course important, but actually the thing I was proudest of was the client service bit, which we did really well and I, I took huge pride in what we did in the firm, and and again, one of my lifelong mottos was shaped through my experience of of having my own business, which was life's too short to be miserable at work, and that really was our motto, which informed how we worked together as a team internally, but also the work that we did with our clients. So we we advised a lot of individuals, supported them to navigate what potentially were quite turbulent times in their career. So not just providing legal advice, but providing coaching support and a strategy to help them get from where they were to somewhere much more positive and empowering for them. And I took a a lot away from doing that work. I really valued doing it. All that said, I think I'd got to a point where I wasn't learning and developing and growing anymore. And I was worried that if that was all I was going to do for the rest of my working life, I might actually ultimately end up feeling a bit frustrated and maybe even a bit bored. So it was that element of a stretch and growth and learning something new, which informed my decision to take the transferable skills I had and move out of employment law practice and into HR.
0: So how did you make the leap?
3: I wish I had one of those really beautifully constructed answers to this question, which would make it sound like some, you know, really well thought through decision. And I'd I'd had this plan that I intended to execute all along. You know what? It was a little bit of luck and. Probably more than a dose of boldness on my part. So if you think about the role, it was a brand new role in a sector I'd never worked in. I'd never worked in HR. And I saw the opportunity and I thought, I think I can make this work. So I think I am possibly the opposite of what a lot of women are described as being in the in the workplace, which is when it comes to applying for roles, women would typically only apply if they thought they could match a significant number of the criteria. Maybe not necessarily absolutely every box ticked, but but most of them. And I wasn't sure I could, tick half of them really but I did know that I had good experience that I'm quick to learn and that I would chuck my all at it that I would be I would work really hard to make it work and perhaps that's what came through plus the fact that what I was being asked to do in the first instance was to take a really complex set of new regulation and make that digestible and help it land in a really culturally congruent way in the organization. I think because I had this legal background, I was able to describe how in the past I'd taken complex legal or regulatory requirements and made sense of those and simplified them. And I think that probably was a a tick in the box in terms of my application, because that gave some confidence that this is somebody that can digest a whole load of stuff and then turn something out at the other end, which is much more simple and straightforward and is readily understood. And then actually after a short while, having embedded all that regulatory change, I then grew my area of responsibility and became responsible for the employee relations team and the case management team, which again that all sat super comfortably with my past experience as an employment lawyer. But it was I just spotted an opportunity and thought, why not? Why wouldn't it be me? It could be me. It could not be me me, but if I don't try, I won't know. I love the fact that you were so
0: bold and determined and put yourself forward even though you couldn't tick every single box because hopefully that will really inspire someone listening who has seen the perfect role and may have been holding themselves back from applying because they're worried they don't tick all those boxes. And now we've learned how you made the switch it would be great to hear what the best bits and maybe the unexpected bits are of working in HR. So what have you really liked and what have some of the challenges been?
3: If you think back to the the motto that I described in terms of life's too short to be miserable at work, I think your capacity as an HR professional to make a difference to the day-to-day lived experience of people that work in your organisation is huge. And that is a responsibility that I take really seriously and which people who are that way inclined will absolutely love because you can really truly make somebody's experience at work a lot better if you if you do your job really well and you demonstrate compassion for the people that work in the organization and you take a values led approach to how you shape policies for example and how you create a cohort of really emotionally intelligent servant leadership led managers and leaders in an organization and your ability to influence that day-to-day experience i think is really important and work that i i believe in because i do think life's too short to be miserable at work we spend more time at work than we do with the people we choose to marry and the children we choose to have so if you're having a rough time at work it permeates all your day-to-day existence and so I think your ability to make the workplace better is is huge. And that's something that I think, I think that's probably why a lot of people go into HR, because they want to be that positive difference. In terms of the things that are more challenging. It's interesting if you think about progression out of senior HR roles into more senior roles so for example the trajectory into chief exec roles of HR people which is to say you really rarely see that and I find that quite interesting and I wonder whether that is because traditionally HR may have been seen as a slightly underpowered area of the business and didn't perhaps get the recognition that it deserved for the influence that it could have. Now I think some of that may have changed through COVID because HR teams were so pivotal to absorbing loads of change and and moving really swiftly in response to a backdrop that was just changing all the time. I think maybe that's done something to rehabilitate the reputation of of HR as a profession. So that, yeah, I do think some people think it's a tea and tissues job, which is not what I believe HR to be at all. But I do believe there was that perception. I do think COVID has maybe in some instances, changed people's minds. But Not as much as I would like. So I think what I would love to see for the profession is far more chief people officers being appointed into chief exec roles. I I do know one great example of this, actually, and that was uh, someone who uh, moved out of a senior HR role into a COO role. And I was so impressed by the distinctive nature of that achievement that I immediately asked that individual to be my mentor, because I thought Crumbs, he must be absolutely doing something right, because he has established his credibility and gravitas outside of HR in a way that people don't always get an opportunity to do. So I thought there was something really special about what he'd done.
0: Picking up on what you've said about HR, having in the past, sometimes been seen as a real tea and tissues function, but the impact of COVID helping so many people realise that there is so much more to it than that and it can be so incredibly impactful. I completely agree. It's funny how everything tends to have an upside so the horrendous downside of having been through the pandemic and I suppose we're still in it aren't we is that it has really given HR that opportunity to shine and and prove its worth. So let's hope that for the future it is going to be the case that People working within HR are considered and are taken very seriously for those really senior roles. And we start to see them heading up organisations. That's an exciting future to look forward to, I think, Natalie. Could we finish on a piece of advice that you can offer anyone listening who is thinking of changing career
3: to work in HR? My best piece of advice to anyone that's thinking about that sort of career move is... Have a go, be brave, don't wait until that magical moment which may never happen where you think you will tick every single essential and desirable requirement on a job description. Why not try it, try it today, give it a go, see see how that is. And it might be that you need to go through a number of processes until you manage to hone your approach to your application or refine how you present yourself, at interview. But what's the worst that can happen? you might find that you make a move into a career that you find really deeply fulfilling and meaningful and what a huge privilege that is to be able to do work from which you derive pleasure and meaning i mean not every day is going to be like that i'm not i'm not that much of a pollyanna but if you can have a job where in the main you think you're making a positive difference and that impact is felt in a in a really good way through your organisation that's job satisfaction for me and i would want that for everyone.
0: Finally, you're going to hear from Rachel White. We had some Wi-Fi issues when recording this interview, so I'm afraid the audio isn't quite as good as normal, but hopefully it's still good enough for you to be able to enjoy listening to what Rachel has to say. Rachel swapped her career as PA to the CEO of a charity to start her HR career and after starting off working in a private company she now works as an HR advisor for a county council. She starts her interview by explaining what it was that she did before her career change.
4: I was the PA for the CEO so it was a lot of um, the administrative side of things but luckily I helped a lot with the fundraising as well so it was because it was a small charity you kind of helped and did a little bit of everything which was lovely it, re- it really was super interesting I thoroughly enjoyed myself but I always liked HR and I didn't really know how to get my foot into it and there wasn't the capacity or really the, well, we say the need, there was the need, but just the size couldn't quite quantify having a whole HR department in the charity as it was then. It's obviously grown a lot more since. I was always there overseeing everything and I had a nice insight into everything and that's what kind of made me realise, oh, do you know what, there is a real need for a lot a lot more structured HR.
0: So once you had decided that HR was going to be the career for you, how did you go about
4: making the change? I ended up going on maternity maternity break And it was from then I thought, you know what, I've got this time, I'm going to utilise it. So I then signed up and did my CIPD level three while I was pregnant. And then I did my level five while I was um, off for the first year. So it kind of gave me a little bit of a kickstart because I thought, you know what, I've got this time. I've got more time to kind of enjoy the studying process as well. So I did that and I'm really glad I did it. I think it was the best thing. It sounds as if doing that qualification
0: was a real help at then changing Mm -hmm. career.
4: Yes, absolutely. I think it's been fundamental. I think nowadays, especially when you're going even for uh, entry-level HR roles, they, they really do want... It, it's been fundamental in me just having that kind of base of knowledge and understanding and just being able to kind of hit, hit the ground running as such.
0: And how did you actually go about getting your first job in HR?
4: It was a recruitment company, thankfully. So, um, yep, I, I kind of reached out to them. They said, oh, we've got a couple of roles. And to be honest, I was a little bit um, cautious because I hadn't worked... For a council before I'd always been in private sector and obviously the HR is is very very different in their approach so I was a bit apprehensive but it just sounded so lovely and it was very the role um, that I'm in because obviously with the council it's so big because it's a county council we cover you know all of West Sussex. I thought right I'm going to do it it's going to be a change of you know change of direction because I thought it's a good way to expand my knowledge base certainly in um, employee relations so I went for it. What exactly is it that you
0: like the most about working in HR in your current role?
4: I love that you know we work with obviously our policy procedures but actually work with the mission, missions and values specifically pardon our um, county council but it is really about empowering and trusting the employees and using performance management not as a tool to to manage out which I know in private sector I know from my experience that very much was the case it's really upright. right We've got all these resources, especially in terms of like neurodiversity, that's been one of our, you know, our really big aims. It's how can we empower you? How can we support you? And it is really the plans are so supportive. And the end goal really truly is to get, you know, to get them where they need to be. And I think um for myself in particular, coming on, it was quite a surprise just at how actually HR is quite a nurturing, they're quite nurturing within the council and they really are trying to get the most out of everybody, you know, as as a workforce. Whereas in the past in private, it's been a quite a, right, if they're not performing, this is a quick way to, you know, a quick fix for the company as such. So I think for me, that that was it, you know, because, you know, when I first joined the council and you looked at all the policies and procedures, and my goodness, they've got so many policies and guidance notes and flow charts. At first, it was a little bit overwhelming and I, I've never been to, you know, a sickness absence policy that's got seven or eight documents and then another eight supporting guidance documents. But it just shows the nature of actually the purpose there. It's really, right, this is all the different ways you can help and support somebody. You know, if they're struggling, you know, how can we get them in, whether it's redeployment, whether it's, there's just so many different avenues. Actually, we didn't really explore when I was in private sector. And So for me, coming over, it was that, it was that switch to the holistic approach that took the longest, not that I, you know, enjoyed doing the cutthroat side of things. But <laughs> just, um, It really was different. So, you know, when you look at a case, actually, it's really dissecting each person of, right, Every aspect of right, what, are, what do they need? How can we support them? Not just the quick basics of right, you're not performing. Okay, really I'm picking it, I'm looking at all the different nuances around them and say, right, how can we help you? What is the root cause? And I think for, for myself, we didn't ever do that in private. We never really got to the root cause with a person. Um, especially you know whether it's sickness and using your know, occupational health and now primarily with the neurodiversity and reasonable adjustments the things we're looking into with the council like the assessments and using companies that really do specialized assessments you know especially work-based assessments to see how we can best support people isn't something i'd ever really done in a private so for me it was just a real mind-boggler in a wonderful way but it, it was a mind-boggler of wow they do all this and actually that's what I love because I love helping people so actually HR for, for me and the council I actually feel like I am making it you know an impact the HR presence is a positive one.
0: I almost feel bad asking you the next question which, <laughs> are, which is what are the challenges you hadn't anticipated so I suppose I'm not saying directly what are the bad bits but in addition to the positives what are the challenges that you hadn't necessarily seen coming?
4: I mean, it's still actually for me, it's the reputation of HR and even in a public sector, it's kind of getting getting that presence and working with them. I mean, for me specifically, it's performance management. It's still, although the council is absolutely very holistic and nurturing, it's still encouraging the managers to come to us before there's a problem. That's what I found. I think no matter where it is, there is still this reputation with HR of, you know, the policies, procedures are working against the employees rather than working with. And I think you get that no matter where you are. And I know specifically with performance management or absence, it's kind of encouraging managers to, to come to us. They so say someone's poorly and they've been off with a surgery, getting the manager to say, OK, do you know what? They have been off for a month. We do need to start the sickness process, but not see it as a negative. Whereas before we still, you know, have the situation of they'll tell us a month after they've been off because they don't want to start the process because they still, you know, they still view it as, oh, I don't want to enter them into this formal sickness process rather than actually what we're doing is seeing if they need an occupational health. Do they need any work-based assessments? Do they need a phased return? You know, is there any way we can support them so that when they do feel ready to return to work, they, you know, they're not trepidatious about it. They're excited to come back to work. It's still really hard to kind of get everybody on board with that. Well,
0: it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job, though. So
4: hopefully that is the challenge that is going to be
0: one that you can overcome in helping everyone realise that you really are there to help. Thank you. I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to finish off with one last question, if that's okay, which, which is what advice would you give to anyone listening who is
4: thinking of changing career to work in HR? There's never a right time to do it. I think definitely looking to CIPD for me it was a game changer I thoroughly enjoyed it but it also from studying it I found out the areas that I liked like with employee relations you know when you, you study you do the assessments you kind of it really specifically piqued my interest I was like oh do you know what I like this and actually I tailored when I did make my jump into HR specific roles around that I thought do you know what this is where I'm going to go It's really reassuring to hear how
0: easy it sounds like the switch was for you, because I know that for a lot of people, the fear holding them back from
4: changing career is that they just won't be able to get a new role in a completely different kind of job. But I I had to, obviously, when I did my switch, I had to accept, you know what, I've just got my CFPD, I have absolutely no HR experience, (laughs) so I I was facing that conundrum of, right, I've got zero zip, but I do have law, I looked at kind of, right, how can I promote myself utilising my skill set and say, look, I can do this, but I did go in at an entry level, I went in at a HR admin with the perspective of this is where I want to be. But I kind of set myself a timescale. And that's why when, when I got in touch with the uh, recruitment companies, I said, look, this is where I want to be in the end. This, this is, this is my timescale. How am I going to get there? And they said, right, realistically, you need to go for, you know, HR officer, you know, role. It's just kind of mapping out the path so then it doesn't look so daunting. There's a lot of, you know, hate more HR recruitment companies that were really great. And they they were really good at picking out my previous skills and saying, actually, you know, this is well suited to a HR admin role because you know if you have done at this you're good at research you're good at admin you're good at this and I said well I want to be a HR officer okay right once you're in there make it very clear at the interview that is where you want to be and I think it's all about kind of having that map out and plan. And is that what happened so did you go in as an HR admin and then work your way up? I did I did a HR admin but I stayed there for about a year and a half and for me for myself I want to become a HR business partner which is why I love working in, in, in the council because the exposure to you know to restructures to to everything is wonderful for, for me and my development
0: to wrap up i'd like to say a huge thank you to charlotte daniel natalie and rachel for sharing all of their experience and advice with us if you're listening today because you are thinking of changing career to work in hr i so hope that this episode and last week's episodes help you achieve what you're aiming for